I don't want to live with regret, thinking that I had this idea and I did some market research and I saw that there could potentially be a need there, but I didn't pursue it just based on my own fears. Even though I might be concerned with how it's going to go, I'm going to try it anyway to see how it goes. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 118 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder of Teach the Geek, Neil Thompson. Neil is a product development engineer who decided he didn't want to be in the cubicle anymore, so he went solo. In his effort to live a life without regret, Neil has pursued and developed income in several very unique niches. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. And we've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Neil Thompson. Neil is a product development engineer who decided he didn't want to be in the cubicle anymore, so he went solo. His company, Teach the Geek, works with STEM professionals who want to improve their speaking skills so they can communicate effectively with non-technical people. He also hosts a podcast, the Teach the Geek podcast, where he speaks with STEM professionals about public speaking. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So engineer turned entrepreneur. How did that happen? Well, it, it wasn't by design. So I was working as a product development engineer at a company, and I, it was a contract job. So it was supposed to be for one year. And I, five months into the contract, I was called into the CEO's office. And I thought I was being called in there to be told what a great job I'd been doing. But the, the CEO, the COO, and my boss, who was the VP of R&D, or was he the CTO? CTO was his title. So all three of them were in the office. So now I'm thinking, maybe this isn't a, a, a great idea. Maybe this isn't so great after all. So I sit down and they let me know that they, they're going in a different direction. They wanted to bring in somebody with more sales and marketing experience and that that day would be my last day. And so I remember just leaving the office. They asked me if I had any questions. I said, no, I just went back to my desk and gathered up my things and I left. And I remember on the way home, on the drive, I just remember thinking to myself, I never want to be in this position ever again where somebody is bringing me into their office to tell me my services are no longer needed. So I had to figure out, well, what could I do instead? And that's where the idea of entrepreneurship came from. Did you know anybody who was an entrepreneur? No, not really. No, not at all. But I, as I said, I didn't want to be in that position ever again. So even if I didn't know anybody, I was going to have to figure it out. Right. So what was the first thing you did? First thing was uh, being a freelance patent agent. So back in 2012, I became a patent agent on the urging of my boss at the time. He wanted all the engineers to become patent agents so he wouldn't have to outsource patent drafting to outside counsel. And so I became one, and yet he still outsourced all the patent drafting to outside counsel. So for a number of years, I wasn't really doing anything with, with being a patent agent. So when I left this, well, when I was unceremoniously let go, 
from this contract job, I figured maybe I can finally use this whole patent agent thing. And so I became a freelance patent agent. And I guess I offered my services to whoever really wanted them. The issue I had, I guess, with that with that strategy was it's kind of difficult to make it as a solo a freelance patent agent. It's much easier to be affiliated with a firm and you get better cases that way too, because oftentimes companies and even individual inventors prefer to hire firms because they can get multiple needs met, not just the patent drafting, but if they have any licensing needs, likely uh, uh, there's an attorney on staff that can help them with that too. So it's more of a one-stop shop as opposed to just relying on a freelance patent agent. So a couple of years ago, I started doing work with a firm here in San Diego where I live, and it's been it's been great. I've, I've gotten the ability to do a whole bunch of different cases that I never would have had access to when I was doing freelance. So I really enjoy that. Right. And do you do this as a subcontractor or as, or as an employee? As a subcontractor. Okay. So you still have your own business? Yeah. Yeah. And can you do this as a subcontractor with multiple law firms, or do you have to only stick with one? Oh, no, I certainly could do it with multiple law firms. I just do it with the the one currently. I mean, I don't really see myself doing it with, with multiple. I get more than enough work from this one firm. And I know that in addition to what you're doing as a your patent work, you also have some other things that you do that are not necessarily related, but also in, in very unique niches. Yeah, so I also I have a, a business that I have with a couple of former co-workers when I worked in medical devices, and we help medical device companies with their packaging projects. Oftentimes, especially with smaller companies, they're focused more on the product and not necessarily the packaging. And oftentimes, they don't even have that resource on staff. So they can hire us to develop the packaging for their products. So that's one thing. And then I also have a children's book, and it's it's geared towards children eight years and, and under called Ask Uncle Neil Why Is My Hair Curly? It's about my nephew asking me why his hair is the way it is, and I use science to answer the question. I plan on making it, making it a series at some point in which my nephew asks me a question and I use science to answer it. So what strikes me as kind of interesting is that here, here you are, someone who didn't know anybody who was an entrepreneur, knew that traditional employment, the way you first started your career, wasn't something that, you, that was going to work for you personally. And not only did you figure out how to start one business, you actually have three different things going on that are all quite different from one, one another and all serve a very unique need. What have you learned about how to identify a unique need? Well, a lot of these needs just came from my own background, just my own strengths. So I had to figure out, well, what am I good at? And is, is there a market that was willing to pay for what I'm good at? And so the, the idea for the, the business, the, the consultancy where we help companies with, with packaging, that just came from us having that background from working at companies, having to do the packaging ourselves. We didn't have packaging engineers at some of the companies I worked at. So we had to figure out that, that niche ourselves. And so we figured that there would be other companies out there that don't have that need or don't have those resources on staff. And so we could, we could definitely be a resource to them. When it came to the children's book, that also had to do with my own interest and, and my nephew actually asking me that question and me not actually knowing the answer and me having to do some research to find out what the answer was. And I thought this was a pretty interesting story that I think some children would, would actually want to know the answer to. So that's why I put the book out. And then with the becoming a patent agent, again, that had to do with the needs out there. There are inventors, companies out there that have these invention ideas and they want to protect them. And so I, I became a patent agent a number of years ago 
I didn't want to let that go to waste. So that was that was the reason I even pursued that. Right. So, Neil, the way you describe it, it sounds relatively simple to identify a niche and then develop a business model around it. However, I've had so many conversations with guests on my podcasts about the struggle that professionals go through when they transition from being an employee to being self-employed. As an employee, they're often highly compensated because they're able to solve complex problems, and very typically they're complex problems that are not so repeatable. Yet, as an entrepreneur, you're way more likely to be financially successful if you can identify a very narrow niche with something that is relatively easy and repeatable for you to solve, yet could be something that your your ideal client has a great deal of challenge solving. And I see that so many professionals, when they first start their consulting business, they think that they need to be able to offer something that could be purchased by a very large number of clients. And so they end up marketing something that's a very broad concept to lots and lots of people and they don't gain traction. Yeah, that's certainly something that I'm, I'm certain a number of people struggled with. But at least for me, I've, I focus solely on what did I know and what, what audience could I offer what I know too. So even with Teach the Geek, that has to do with servicing people like me people that work in the STEM fields, engineers and scientists. It didn't really take all that much time for me to, to figure that out because Teach the Geek really is geared towards my own struggles. So I built a course called Teach the Geek to Speak, and that had to do with helping engineers and scientists be better communicators to non-technical people. The whole impetus for, for it came from me having to give presentations in front of senior management when I worked as an engineer and just not being all that great at it and noticing that a lot of the other engineers weren't all that much better at it than I was. And I think looking back on it, the issue that a lot of us had is that we have all this technical expertise, but we're not very good at putting it in such a way that non-technical people can understand. And then what ends up happening is we get questions after the presentation that we thought we had answered during the presentation, but because we didn't put it in such a way that these other, you know, these non-technical people could understand now, we essentially wasted their time, we wasted our time, and just time wasted all around. So that's really where the idea for Teach the Geek even came from. It came from my own struggles and, and noticing that people like me had those same struggles too. So I figured I wasn't a unicorn in that and that there were because there was other people that had those same struggles, they would be more willing to, to invest in what I had to sell. Yep, makes total sense. And do you have some experience pursuing ideas that ended up not going anywhere? Well, I mean, I, I did speak about the working as a freelance patent agent not going all that well. I mean, as I mentioned, the, the idea of it at first I thought was great. I could work with these various inventors, but even just finding the various inventors was was difficult. And, and I remember one instance specifically. Luckily, I was affiliated with the firm at the time. So this woman found me through a trademark attorney friend that I have, and she wanted me to work on a patent of hers. And so I, I did that. I, I drafted the the application. But then she had other needs that I couldn't fill be, being just a pet one, well, not just, but being a patent agent. She needed attorney help. And luckily, I was able to get that for her being affiliated with the firm. So if I just stayed uh, a patent agent on my own, she would have been out of luck. I would have had to, been, well, I, I can't really help you or maybe I can help you find somebody else. But being affiliated with that firm, I was able to keep, keep her as a client because I'm affiliated with the firm, too. Yeah. Neil, how long has it taken you in each of these niches to 
to gain some traction and feel like um, what you're doing is working and and has um, either has a chance for financial success or has produced financial success? It took me a few months to find, to kind of really narrow down on, on the particular niche, find the people that were willing to pay for what I was was offering and then get, you know, you know, get money coming in, especially with the children's book. That's probably the one that was the, the most, I guess, taxing or, or that I struggled with the most because I'd, I'd never written a children's book before and I didn't really know where to go to market it. So that was a that was a lot of trial and error, really, to, to figure out the best way to promote it. Yeah. Do you have a particular process or, or system that you use to take an idea like the ones that you have pursued? So to take that idea and um, and bring it to some kind of profitable fruition? Well, I didn't at first, but I, I certainly have just through trial and error, I figured out a better way to go about it as opposed to just doing things haphazardly. And it's to do some research, some market research first. And to, to figure out whether whatever I'm, I'm looking to sell is something that people are willing to pay for. When I first developed the, the course, I just, I built a course and I just I figured if I built it, people would come. And that's just not the way it works. Luckily, it worked out because my inclination that the course would be useful, it caught on eventually. But at first, it was it was kind of slim pickings trying to find people that be willing to invest in, 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 in taking the course. But if I were to do it all over again, it's figure out whether there's a market for whatever you want to sell. And then the answer is yes. Then develop whatever you, you what you want to develop based on what the market says they want. Mm -hmm. What's your process for the market research? Uh, asking questions. Just I use social media to ask questions. I use uh, LinkedIn a lot. I'm on LinkedIn every day. So you basically just ask people. If I'm, I'm thinking about developing, you know, this particular product. Is this something that you'd be interested in selling or in buying? And if the answer is yes, well then that's an enough of at least a little, enough for me to believe that this is something that I should invest time in, and resources in. Right. So you just post a general question about um, whether or not people see a need based on some, some idea that you have. Yeah, that and also targeting the, or going to the, the targets that I, I think would be interested in whatever I want to develop as well. So I, I mentioned with Teach the Geek, it was scientists and engineers. So I reached out scientists and engineers to see if this was something that they'd be interested in. If I got enough yeses, then it was, it was all go from there. Right. And then you schedule one-on-one -on -one conversations with some of the people that say yes. Oh yeah. So I even sent them a, a questionnaire about what, the, what kind of things they would want to see in, in such a product, how much you'd be willing to pay for such a product. Yeah. With Teach the Geek, that was actually not even my idea. That came from a consultant that I, I ended up hiring. And she is the one that said that this could be really helpful for you just in to be able to develop something that people would actually want. Right. Is this kind of market research something you were familiar with from your work as an engineer, or is this something that you've created after leaving engineering? Oh, I probably should have been familiar with it because I worked with, with people in marketing, especially when I was in medical devices. Everything that we did was done in teams. So I was, a, I was the product development person. I'd be a marketing person, an operations person, a regulatory affairs person. So I, I probably could have been paying more attention to what the marketing person was doing, but I wasn't. So this is definitely something that I had to pick up afterwards. Right. And uh, now, given the fact that you've done this in several niches and you have, you have your process and it seems to work pretty well, where do you envision or maybe where do you aspire to take some of the structure that you've created in the future? 
Well, at least with Teach the Geek, it'd be to create more resources that could be of use to engineers and scientists. I mean, I started off with public speaking, but I don't plan on, on ending there. There are a number of needs that a lot of us have when it comes to, to building up a career. And, and public speaking was the first one that came to mind, but there are certainly others, networking, interviewing, negotiating, all things that aren't really taught in school, but things that are really important in building a career. So those are all things that I'm looking to, to build on with time. Yep. And what are some of your observations, given the disruption that's happened in the in the way we do business and in the world economy? What are some of the things that you, the changes that you see happening where you think there may be some needs going forward? Well, especially now, I mean, we hear all about this great resignation with people not being all that happy with where they're at and looking to, to move on to, to other, you know, to greener pastures, you know, potential, hopefully. And so the big change I see now is, is people not being scared to make those, make those moves where perhaps before they may have been more hesitant to do so. So something like, you know, being better at, at communicating with others during an interview would be really important because if you're going to leave your job, you got to leave, if you're going to leave for somewhere else, you're going to have to interview somewhere. Or if, if you want to start your own business and you want to develop something to pitch to investors, well, you're going to have to become better at, at public speaking just in, in presenting. So these are, these are, I guess, a couple of, of, of areas where I see things are changing. Right, right. So um, in other words, disruption always breeds opportunity. No question. Yeah. What are some of the interesting outcomes of Teach the Geek? Well, I guess my initial idea for it has changed a little over time. So when I first put it together, it was just a course. But I, I decided earlier this year that just a one-off course wasn't enough. I wanted to offer more ongoing support to people who want to get better at presenting in front of others. And so I developed a membership, a monthly membership, where people get access to the course and they also get monthly group calls and access to a community of, of like-minded people who see the benefit of improving their presentation skills so they, they, they can learn from each other. Yeah. How long have you had the membership? I started it last month. Ah, how's it going so far? Uh, so far, so good. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to ramp it up. And it's, a, it's an evergreen membership, so you can join at any time. It's not as if, you know, there's a certain window for you to join. So it's been a learning process for sure, but, you know, so far, so good. Have you ever launched a membership before? No, never. But the idea of it actually came from another membership that I was a part of earlier this year. I essentially just took that structure and applied it to what I wanted to do. So that in that membership, you also got access to a course. And there was also monthly calls and then also access to uh, an online group. And I really like that format. So I just used it for my own purposes. So again, you experienced something, you saw a need and you tried it. Yeah. That's what I do, David. I, I see I see things, and then I have to couple that with my interests, and then I, I take it to see how far it can go. Yeah. What's the hardest thing about launching something new? Probably the uncertainty of it. You never really know what's, what's going to happen, but that's also the exciting part of it, too. I don't want to live with regret, thinking that I had this idea, and I did some market research, and I saw that there could potentially be a need there, but I didn't pursue it just based on my own fears. So I, I like... Even though I might be concerned with how it's going to go, I'm going to try it anyway to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I admire your courage and your fortitude and your uh, your willingness to try things. It's certainly, there's so many people that spend way too long thinking about whether or not they should test something or launch something. And it, it often leads to regrets later on. So congratulations on all these different 
opportunities you've pursued, the niches that you've created and where you spend your time. It's been a fascinating discussion, and I suspect that um, there are people are going to want to learn more about what you've done, what you're doing, how you've done it. Where would the best place be for someone to go if they want to access any resources you have, learn more about you, or get in touch with you? Well, that'd be teachthegeek.com. And if they go there, I'm also offering complimentary tips to STEM professionals on, on public speaking. And to get access to that, you can go to teachthegeek.com slash tips. And you mentioned in my intro that I also have a podcast where I interview scientists and engineers about public speaking. So to watch those interviews, you can go to youtube.teachthegeek.com. Sounds great. Well, Neil, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your experiences and your insights, which are quite remarkable. My guest today has been the founder of Teach the Geek, Neil Thompson. Thank you again, Neil, for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how Neil developed a number of very unique income streams and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.